The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. Beginning hour number two of the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM. Dave Ross here at South Point Casino in Las Vegas. Michael Lombardi coming to us from New Jersey. And, Michael, we do have more breaking news. It's been the year of COVID football. We understand that. Micah Parsons right now has been placed in the protocols now for COVID-19. He will not play against the Eagles on Saturday night. There are a couple uh, tentacles to this story. And, obviously, if you are somebody that's got Micah Parsons for Defensive Player of the Year, I think those tickets are going to go by the wayside as he's not going to be able to to uh, play this final game. So there's no more body of work there. It looks like, obviously, if you got Watt from Pittsburgh, that might be the ticket to cash here uh, after his performance in primetime on Monday night against the Steelers. But you hope at, from a football perspective here, Michael, if you're a Cowboy backer like I am long term, that he's going to be able to go in the playoffs because they're not going to have a bye. They're going to have to play next week. In the first yeah. round of the playoffs, I don't know if he's vaxxed, unvaxxed, what that situation is. But all we do know is he but is it, in those protocols. It, it doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter. It's all symptoms, right? So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then I think Sunday, he can be clear. He, he may not be out. I don't know if they declared him out. You know, I mean, this is what happened last week with Carson Wentz, who's not. Va- we know he's not vaccinated. Right. And he ended up playing the game. I do think this, though, and, and watching a little bit of the NBA, I do think we're not given enough attention to some of these players who may have it and thinking that they're going to come back and play at the same level. Like it doesn't have some effect on them. Right. You know, I think we're seeing it in the NBA. I think we saw it last year in the NBA. Guys missed a long time. We didn't have the vaccination then, but we're missing a long time. We didn't have the therapeutics as much then either. Right. So I do think that. But I, I, I'm a, I think, look, Parsons versus Watts going to be an interesting, whether to me, whether Parsons plays or not this week, it's going to be a one-two battle. I think Watt's going to get the win because, A, he's going to end up getting the sack record for a team that didn't play from in front very much. Mm. Think about that, right? I mean, like, usually guys that get a lot of sacks are on teams that have offenses that, you know, are, are score points and the defense rushes the passer. And it's the whole essence of what the West Coast offense is all about. I mean, Bill Walsh, people think the West Coast offense is, 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 is the – as Joe says on on college football, here comes shallow cross. It's not shallow crosses or 20 bingo cross. It's it's a theory of football. We are going to throw the ball early to get the lead, and we are going to run the ball late to keep the lead, and we're going to have a complementary defense that can rush the passer. And Watt has 21 and some sacks without having that first part, which makes it even more remarkable. Yeah. 
And, you know, I, th I thought you, you just hit on something that I haven't heard anybody really in the national landscape talk about, and that is the actual effects of these players that do get COVID and how it affects their play. Because if you're a Cowboy backer, Micah Parsons has been the heartbeat of that defense in year number one. That's why we're talking about him right now. For Forget about rookie of the year, defensive rookie. Of the year. We're talking about for, for defensive player of the year. That's the impact he's had on that defense. And, and Michael, to your point, we don't know. We, we all assume he's going to be 100 and be back out there flying around the football in a week in the, in the postseason. But there's no guarantee of that. And, and it does make me pause a little bit to go, so now if I have a Cowboy ticket to win the NFC, can they, one, beat potentially Arizona in week one and then go to either Tampa Bay, L.A., win a, win a game there, and then ultimately go to Green Bay? It feels like a lot to ask of a guy who's going to be coming fresh off of COVID. And I, I get it. He's young and he's healthy. He's in the athletic prime of his life. But you just hit on something. We just don't know how this affects certain people when they come back off the COVID list. And now the Cowboys at plus you know, 600, I, that might take a hit. And, and I think this, I, I think it's really, we don't know how severe he has it. We right. A, we don't know if he's vaccinated. B, we don't know if he's asymptomatic. Obviously, he was asymptomatic because he went and got tested. And so, therefore, the test came back that he has COVID. But he, maybe he's been, maybe he's having a very mild version of COVID. Right. And doesn't have, you know, but at some point, you know, we, we don't always bring a player's off-the-field life onto the field. You know, and, and, the, and the toll that, that that takes on some players to be able to focus and concentrate. It requires great mental toughness. You know, you have something happening in your personal life and then you're able to go to work and concentrate fully. That's really a challenge. So, you know, I, and this COVID adds another layer to that. You know, it's playing with the flu. You know, yes, Michael Jordan can score a zillion points with the flu, but he's Michael Jordan. <laughs> Not a lot of guys can do that. That's a great point. I think it's one that, that people, certainly in the futures market, if you want to look at these things, you should take that into account before you blindly place your bets and we just assume. We hope that he's going to be 100%, but there's no guarantee of that going forward. I did want to pick your brain a little bit on the Seahawks and the Cardinals this week and some of these line moves that we've seen. And, again, I get it when you see what Arizona did and – you know, Kyler Murray, they can switch the Wikipedia page. He now is the owner of Jarrett World because he just doesn't lose in that building. Cardinals didn't lose last week. They get the outright win in Dallas. Now they come back and play the Seahawks in a game where the Cardinals, if they win and the Rams lose, there's a possibility of that against San Francisco. Arizona could still win the NFC West. But, Michael, I'm intrigued here from the Seattle perspective. I saw what Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson did against the cover machine that was Dan Campbell and the Lions, and now they're getting six and a half points. And I heard the comments, Michael, where they said, hey, you know, we can rally around. We can get the band back together here in Seattle next year. And, you know, Russ is now healthy. And Pete feels like he's coaching with a chip on his shoulder. I feel like this is too many points. And I actually like the Seahawks in this spot. Do you think I'm, I'm off the ledge on this one? Well, I mean, the last game they played, right, before the bye, the Cardinals went up into Seattle into whatever they call that, you know, field now, <laughs> Luton Field or whatever it's called. I right. get confused. I but don't know. Anyway, it used to be a good home field advantage for Seattle. It's not any longer. But they went up there, and Colt McCoy led them to a 10-point victory, and they gained 413 yards in that game. And they held Russ and his cooking to just basically 266. Neither team turned the ball over in the game. But it, it, Arizona had control from the very first start of that game. 
And now you come back, you're on the road, and Seattle's got to go up there. And I know they scored a ton of points on a bad Detroit defense, you know, and they put probably they had their finest, well, they did probably they had their finest offensive day of the mm-hmm. season, amassing, uh, you know, more running yards than they did passing. I mean, Penny has actually looked really good as a he running has. back. The thing that's amazing about Seattle this year is they have done a very good job of protecting the football. They have done a very good job of protecting the football. And yet, they haven't been able to create the turnovers that Pete preaches. You know, they had mm. last week against Detroit, they were plus three in the turnover takeaway. But other than that week, you'd have to go back to week 13 of the season before they got, you know, they forced three turnovers against San Francisco. I mean, they, they don't force the ball out. And if you don't force the ball out against Kyler Murray and he's playing the full game, I think it's going to be really challenging. And so, you know, I, I, I was, you know, I thought, Seattle would have beaten the Bears. They lose by a point. They humiliated the Lions and put 51 on them, you know. But we know the Lions have kind of run out of it with Tim Boyle. It was going to be a hard game. But mm-hmm. still, you know, the last – but they went on the road in Houston, you know, and they were, uh, I think, a, at the same situation. They were seven – I think they were a 10-point favorite when they went down to Houston. And they covered that easily with 20, uh, 33-13 wins. So – they're so unpredictable, yeah. but I don't think they're good enough offensively. I really don't. I think it's going to be a hard game for them to beat the Cardinals. I think it's going to be what is the Cardinals' motivation? Because, you know, we the Cardinals are sitting here knowing that the 49ers typically play the Rams yes. really well. And we know that the Cardinals will be motivated for that point. And I want to stay in that division and talk about that game here because, again, we've seen this line fluctuate between the Rams and the Niners now. And, again, I'm showing my age, but I remember Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay running around the old Redskins Park there in Ashburn, Virginia, under Mike Shanahan. And you could see it then. Those two guys are chummy. They're, they're pals. They know each other very well. Kyle Shanahan has had the, had the upper hand in this matchup against boy genius Sean McVay here. He's catching four and a half on the road. It looks like Jimmy G's going to try to give it a go and, and play on Sunday. What do you make of this move? And can what does Sean McVay have to do to kind of all right, I know you're my pal, but at some point i got to beat my guy. And he hasn't been able to do that really on a regular basis. Do you think this is the week he finally gets it done? I think it's going to be – you know, look, I don't think nobody wants to have this conversation, but I did with somebody in the league, and they said, you know what, I think the Rams were better with Goff than they are with Stafford. Wow. That Stafford's not much of an upgrade. That Stafford's not much of an upgrade. That, and, and I get that. I, I get that. I mean, Stafford, for all the hoopla and for everything, you know, we have seen a dynamic shift in the Rams' offense. When they got Stafford, they said, okay, we're going to be able to do everything. And by midseason, they realized, let's just run Goff's offense, and Stafford will make it a little bit better. Well, that really hadn't been the case. I mean, go back to that Baltimore game. Baltimore's with a bunch of backups, nobody in their secondary. If Baltimore just runs the first half out, they're going to win that game. Instead, they throw the picks, they throw the interception, and, and, and instead of going into halftime 10-0, it's 10-7. I mean, Baltimore's game management at the end of the first half, their, 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 their uh, middle eight work cost them that game or else the, the Rams are coming home with another with a loss. Mm. And they could have easily they could have easily lost the week before. You know, I mean, in Minnesota, I mean, they, they, they lose the week before they win by they cover, which was remarkable cover considering he turned the ball. He's had six turnovers in the last two weeks. Oof. Now, I do think the Niners, the one thing I think hurts them a little bit is is that. I really like the Al Shear linebacker. He gives them speed in their underneath coverages, and he's not going to play because of, you know, he, he's got a knee injury, and I don't think he'll be back if they, until they make the playoffs. He really makes them a different team. 
If they don't have him, which I think they won't, and if they don't have Garoppolo, I think it's going to be a hard game for the 49ers. I think we'll see that number shift a little bit towards five, five and a half if Garoppolo is officially declared out. We'll know today if he practices. Yeah, and it just feels like, again, you watch that Houston game last week, which I felt, quite frankly, the Niners had no business covering. But I got to tip my cap to Kyle None. Shanahan in that game, right? Because he figured out a way after Trey Lance had that bad pick in the first half. They were down 7-3 at the half. Michael, you saw it in the second half. He said, I'm not going to let the kid put us in bad situations anymore. And, and, and I expect him to no. kind of coach that same way, right? Yeah, I mean, people think he was sensational. I mean, that's how ridiculous Twitter is. I mean, and the play of the game, you saw it, Dave, was the interception that was fumbled, and, and, the, and the, the Texans get it back, and they got a bad call. They what said was forward that progress. What a joke that call was. That was, that was horrible. Awful call. Changed it the was whole, egregious. Yeah, switched the whole tenor it's of that game. game. Changed the whole game. It absolutely did. No hey, doubt. Michael, when we come back, a guy that played when Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay were both in D.C. Lorenzo Alexander, come on back. It's decent. Absolutely. It is the Sports Betting Network. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vcin.com to check the current betting splits data. This new feature gives you insights on where the money and bets are moving for every game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. Data is available for money line over-unders and against the spread bets. Betting splits are another way. Vsin is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at vcin.com. Dave Ross alongside Michael Lombardi. This is the Lombardi Line right here on Beeson. And, Michael, we were talking about some games on Saturday and Sunday and some of the line moves that we've seen there. 
I do want to ask about the Saints against the Falcons. And the Saints still right now are still fighting potentially for a final playoff spot here in the NFC. So they have something to play for. The ATL, Arthur Smith, year number one. I don't believe that they're going to be waving the white flag. It looks like Matty Ice, Matt Ryan's still going to be uh, uh, playing quarterback in this game. And we saw what happened the first time these two teams met down in New Orleans, and the Falcons came away with the outright victory. And now the Saints going on the road in a must-win situation, laying four and a half. I know the Falcons haven't been dynamic. They've had all kinds of red zone issues uh, this year. But what do you make of this number, Michael? Because I kind of find myself leaning towards the Dirty Birds. You know, in the first game, I was all over Atlanta. Even after losing to the Carolina Panthers 19-13 to a week before, I thought Atlanta had typically always played well down in, down in, uh, in, in New Orleans. And so I, I kind of felt like it would, and they got that big lead, and then Pitts makes the great play down the sideline in man-to-man coverage, and they're able to win the game with a walk-off uh, field goal. And some fortunate things happen along the way. I mean, the second half, the Falcons really did nothing offensively. They picked up that fumble and ran it in, and they were able to to win that game. But especially considering that, you know, uh, that they only ran for 34 yards in the game. I mean, they really couldn't run the ball against the Saints. So I think this is another week. I was just, I, I thought I was on Buffalo last week, Dave. I thought Atlanta would have not played as well as they did. Mm-hmm. I didn't say they played great. I mean, they had you know, they ran the ball for 233 yards against the Bills. I mean, they almost did the exact same thing the, that, uh, the, that, the, uh, that, that the Patriots did against them. Right. But they were able to, you know, they couldn't get the ball, as you said. In the, I mean, the, the penalty on, on really saved all the betters to get the push if you had 14. If you had 14 and a half, you lost. But to me, I, I think this is a game where I don't think Sean Payton's getting enough credit for what he's done, Yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, this is a team without a quarterback. You know, he's he's went through the Trevor Simeon. I mean, Dennis Allen's done a great job. They've won three of the last four, and and frankly, the loss to the, to Miami at twenty to three, he had to start Ian Book in the game. You know, one hundred sixty four yards of offense. So, I, I get the feeling that this will be you know this will be a good game for Taysom Hill. I think the Saints will play really well on offense, and I think they'll play well on defense. I think they know that what the Falcons can do potentially. I think they get the matchups. It's always hard to beat a team twice once you show what you want to do. I think I think this is the Saints game. I would be more inclined to lay the four than I would be taking the Falcons, which I did in the first game. But we've got to see who's healthy and who's not. And, you know, one thing I do know, Matt Ryan has taken a beating. David. Yes. He, he has is. taken a complete beating the last four weeks. Well, you know what that means to me, Michael, because I haven't played this game yet. I'm not going to play it because when I get that expert uh, analysis right there, that's why I ask you these questions sometimes, not just for the public certification, but also for mine. So uh, that is a uh, very uh, good information to have, and I'm probably going to stay clear of that game for those reasons. The, you, you know, the, when you look at the Falcons, Dave, when you look at them, I mean, you know, they're 21st in yards per play, right? They're 21st in yards per play offensively. You know, and so defensively, they're also 21st in yards per play. Mm-hmm. I mean, their numbers are not good across the board. You know, across the board. They're 32nd in sack rate. And we know this same team can rush the passer. You know, and that's why I have, you know, I have the Atlanta so low in my power rankings. Mm. I mean, you know, they don't really do anything well other than they make a few plays here and there. But when you really study them, you know, they're 29th in first downs allowed. I mean, there's nothing they do 
Uh, they're they're thirtieth on third down. Uh, they're thirtieth on third down defense. I mean, there's nothing they do well. And credit Arthur Smith, I think, for winning as many games as he had with this team. Yeah. Because they they really just don't they 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 don't have any ability to to rush the passer. As I said, they're thirtieth in getting sacks. They're twentieth in protecting Matt Ryan. So they really can't do any of that. They're 17th and third down, and, and they're bad when they get their 26 in the red zone. I mean, there's nothing good about that. And, look, they only average 18 points, which is tailor-made for the Saints, which is a team that doesn't score a lot of points. Michael, very quickly, because I've heard a little bit of this chatter, and you would be as plugged in as anybody as to how this process would work. I'm hearing the rumblings that Sean Payton could be on the open market in a trade scenario, since obviously if you want to get Sean Payton, the Saints aren't going to give him away. We, we've seen right. this in the past with coaches like John Gruden, et cetera. Is that, a, is that a real possibility? And what would the rate be if you were a GM in the league saying, I want Sean Payton, I'm willing to give up X? What would X be? My understanding, Dave, and I would have to research this, but my understanding is the NFL has passed rules that you're not allowed to trade coaches. Oh, so that's off the table. So I don't even know how the, yeah, I don't even know if this is, this is just a Twitterite. You know, this is something that invented on Twitter. And it makes sense because Ryan Pace was in New Orleans. I can't imagine that Sean has built this team the way he wants. I mean, Mickey Loomis is the general manager, but Sean's got a huge, huge say along with Jeff Ireland and the front office of how he wants to build this team. And I can't see him just because he wants to move back because he grew up near Chicago mm -hmm. and played as a strike player for the Bears. It, it, it's And A, it's too hard. I mean, look, here's the reality of the National Football League. When you have a good coach, when you have a great coach, and Sean Payton's got enough credentials in his coaching resume to qualify for the Hall of Fame. He does. He does. He, he, you know, if some of these other dudes are getting in, Sean's got a really good chance to get in as well. So why would you give that up? Why would you do that? You know, and he's well paid. They've redone his contract numerous times. He has a great relationship with the woman owner. And, you know, it just doesn't make any sense at all. And I think it's just a lot of people chattering that don't know the rules. Well, exactly right. And you're picking up what I'm putting down there, that the Bears were one of those teams in the offing that we heard that that potential uh, move could be made. But uh, excellent. Again, that's why we bring these conversations up so that we can kind of shoot down some of these narratives that might be out there. Let's talk a little bit about the Chargers and the Raiders here on Sunday night. Yeah. And this is, uh, boy, it's for all the marbles. I'm rather amazed that Rich Passaccia has this team in this position. Nobody's talking about him. I don't even know he's got a real opportunity to hold on as the head coach. It doesn't seem like that's going to be in the offing. But, Michael, they win this game against the Chargers. They're in the postseason. Now, they're an underdog to do that. They're getting two and a half points here out here in the desert. What do you make of this matchup? Well, I mean, look, they, they have done a great job on this three-game winning streak, and I think the, the win last week, I was on them with, the cult, with, the, with them getting six and a half, and that number went up to eight and a half. Mm -hmm. You know, it closed, I think, at eight and a half. And, you know, Carson Wentz not practicing, having COVID was my real reason for thinking this was going to be a close game. I didn't think the Raiders would win, but I thought it would be a close game. Uh, you know, look, you go back to the last time they played, you know, back in week four of the season when John Gruden was still the coach. You know, they really couldn't move the football effectively on them, and they were able to, you know, they were able, they couldn't slow down Justin Herbert. He had 380 yards total, 212 passing, and the Raiders, with Gruden calling plays, were held to 230. This is when the Chargers were actually playing good defense at that time of the year. So this has changed quite a bit from that time, and 
you know, I, I think it's going to be a challenging game for them. I think it's going to be a really challenging game. I, I just, to me, the Raiders get penalized way too much. Mm -hmm. They're not great on third down. And when you make Carr play faster, now he made a great play, Dave. The play he makes to oh, Hunter jump Renfro stop. when he scrambles and he, yeah, when he throws the ball over the defender, uh, that was one of his best plays of his season this year. And it saved them. They needed that play. But usually when he gets out of the pocket, things start to break down, and it's never good for Raiders. But I just don't think the Raiders are good enough with their red zone defense, their red zone offense, and their ability to stay, on stay off the field on third down and stay on the field on third down. I think the Chargers gain that advantage, and that's why they're the favorite in the game. I mean, look, Raiders have a three-game win streak against Cleveland, against Denver, and against Indy. Wentz, Wentz was not the same player, but the Cleveland-Denver, Nick Mullen and beating, right. and beating my man uh, Drew Locke, <laughs> you know, by, by four. Yeah. You know, and beating Cleveland with Nick Mullen by Barely. two. Yeah. On a last second field goal. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm right there with you. And again, I, you know, I'm new to, to Las Vegas this year. I find myself rooting for the home team, if you will. But in this spot. Why not? Yeah, right. But in this spot, Michael, it, it, look, for your money, that's a different situation than your heart. I think that's the only way to play this is the Chargers. And again, this at yeah. two and a half, I like it a lot better than three. But you're right. Unless Gus Bradley adjusts the, de adjusts the defense and their philosophy there, it's going to be bombs away for Justin Herbert again, right? Yeah, I mean, they're going to have a hard time covering. I mean, you know, unless, the, unless that, you know, the rush can get there, you know, unless that happens. But I think it's a hard game. Yeah, I do too. Uh, when we come back, we will have Lorenzo Alexander join us. And then later on in this program, we're going to have Lou Finicaro. So you don't have to go anywhere. We've got you covered for the next half hour with some of the best in the business. So come on back. It is the Lombardi line right here on VEASAN. And once again, when we come back with Lorenzo, remember, he played in D.C. under Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay. I'll get his thoughts on that big Rams and Niners tilt when you come back with us on VEASAN, the Sports Betting is a great new offer to help make this your best betting year ever. Our all-new Big Game Big Dance Special provides VEASAN Plus all access to everything we do from now through April 5th for only $69. Sign up now. You're going to get our daily best bet emails, 24-7 video access, the upcoming Big Game and College Hoops betting guides, plus full access to VEASAN.com with our exclusive betting split breakdowns on every single game. It's one of the most exciting betting seasons of the year, so don't miss out on one of our best deals of the year. Visit vcin.com slash big deal to sign up today. Dave Ross alongside Michael Lombardi. This is the Lombardi line right here on VEASAN. And Michael, it's always a pleasure to have the one-man gang, Lorenzo Alexander, join us now from his home in Arizona, two-time Pro Bowl linebacker. He says he's retired. I always try to get him out. He won't get back out there, Michael, as hard as I try. But so it's great to have you on the program. And I mentioned to Michael that you and I obviously go back to our D.C. days. And you were there when young boy geniuses hadn't even become geniuses yet in Kyle <laughs> Shanahan and Sean McVay. So you know these guys. They were there. Right. You were there in the building. It seems like something that Michael and I talked about. For whatever reason, Kyle has gotten the better of Sean McVay, you know them intimately. Why do you think that's been so far when we break down this Rams and 49ers matchup this weekend? 
Yeah, I really, I really don't know why that is. And uh, let me say this: they were, they were both geniuses uh, before they were even known. You could already know that they were both <laughs> going to be head coaches. Um, you know, even when they were tight ends coach and offensive coordinator in, in in Washington. So it's really cool to kind of see them grow and, and really do well now that they've had that opportunity. And I mean, to answer your question, you know, obviously you can always say, you know, the Rams had Jared Goff over the last couple of years and aren't um, normally doing well. But for me, I think it's just a physicality. I mean, when I watched the game earlier this year, it really sums up why I think the 49ers have traditionally beat the Rams under Sean McVay. Um, it's because of physicality. The 49ers are going to run the ball down your throats. I know the Rams like to do it as well, but they just aren't as physical when they play the Niners for whatever reason. And that's what was on full display earlier this season. And so if they want to have a chance to win this week, they're going to have to be able to handle that, that, that front whether it's offensive or defensive line, and be and physically dominate the game in the trenches because that's traditionally where the Niners have won it when they've played the Rams. You know, Zoe, I, it, it's great to have you on the show. My son's a graduate of St. Mary's High School out in Oakland, so I appreciate any time we can bring a St. Mary's graduate <laughs> on, and I agree with you completely. I agree with you completely. I think that this is really about physicality, this game. And, and I think McVeigh has convinced himself when he got Stafford that he didn't really need to be as physical as he was. But in the last three weeks, because of Stafford's turnovers and Sonny Michelle's emergence, yeah. they are trying to become more physical. And I think that's going to be the biggest challenge. But, you know, as a player, I love the fact that you knew both guys. I think that's what people don't understand. Players know before anybody mm -hmm. about coaches. They really do. And they can recognize yep. who's going to have a, a trajectory going forward. But in this second rematch, you know, when they play one to two, what was always the mindset you had as a player when you had the rematch after the team beat you the first time? Well, first of all, we need to assure up what we saw or how they beat us the first time, because that's the first thing you're going to go back to. Did they learn their lesson from last time? So I fully expect the Niners to come out and, you know, in their first 15 and really just test their physicality. Hey, y'all, are y'all up for this challenge that we about to give y'all again? Or do I have to go into something different? And so we always wanted to make sure that we shored up on those. So whatever it was, whatever type of run it was, was it a counter? Was it a power that we had an issue with? Was it some type of pass concept that we weren't able to, to stop based on the type of defense? I'm going to check that first, you know, if I beat a team using X, Y, Z play. Um, and then from there, you kind of move into your normal game plan and try to figure things out if things have changed. But on, on the losing end, most of the times you just want to make sure that you corrected the mistakes from last time that you played them because most teams are going to exploit those deficiencies. Because most of the times, especially if it's during the middle of the year, that's normally who you are. So we're going to challenge who we think who, who we know you are, who, who you, we know you to be, and have you upgraded yourself? Have you changed? Have you evolved, especially as you get ready to go into the playoffs? Absolutely love that mentality, gentlemen, because what it says to me is, and so you know this, and I, I kind of poke fun at our Rams fans out there that we have some mutual Rams fans, they have the perception of being soft, and Michael just alluded to it with the running game of Sonny Michelle. They're trying to change that perception, and when they had their success and got to the Super Bowl, they weren't soft, so they're going to have to change no. that, and Kyle is going to see if Sean McVay has made those adjustments to your point. I want to get to your old football team, the Buffalo Bills. they got a huge number uh, to cover this weekend against the Jets, but they're really just worried about winning this game game and winning the AFC East. And speaking of physicality, I think the bugaboo for the Bills this year when they really hit the schizo has been the lack of physicality. They've actually tried to run the ball with Brian Dable uh, right. in this offense here in recent weeks. Are you seeing a change there in Buffalo that might lead you to believe that not just this game against the Jets, but into the postseason, they are a team that, to quote uh, the late, great Denny Green, they are who we thought they were.
Yeah, hopefully. Um, I know sometimes, and I know where Brian comes from, you know, that Patriots background, and it's always about exploiting the matchup. And so if they feel like they can pass the ball on you, you know, 25 times, you know, 30 times, 40 times in a game and be successful, even though they know the run component is, is important to, to them winning, he's going to throw the ball 50 times. And I think sometimes they have to figure out that balance because even though you can pass the ball on a team, I think running and establishing that physical dominance, especially in the playoffs, is so essential to be able to finish off games, close out games, and really keep the other team's offense off the field because now you're about to start playing elite teams week in and week out. Um, so hopefully they learn their lesson. I know they have the ability to do it. I think sometimes they just fall in love so much with Josh and what they can do offensively. But I'll say another big issue that they need to clean up as they go into these playoffs is making sure they don't turn the ball over because oftentimes that has really been one of their Achilles heels when Josh has had, whether it's a tip ball or he just makes a bad decision um, and has maybe – two turnovers and then maybe a strip which has three turnovers and anytime you have that you tend to lose those games so they got to really show up those two areas being able to control the ball with by running it and also not turning the ball over as well you, you know the one thing I, i've been dying to ask you about this buffalo's defense i talked to a lot of people in the league watch them on tape and they are a small defense and i think mcdermott you know is always believing that he's going to get the lead in the game and then utilize his pass rush, which you did well, so well for him when you played there, ability to get to the passer. But it hasn't been that way. Do you think this defense can play physical enough? Come play, I mean, the, the Falcons are not a physical team. Yeah. They ran for 236 against them. Do you right. think this defense yeah. can – are they big enough? Are they big enough, Lorenz? I don't think they're big enough. I think we talk well, about them being uh, more physical. Milano's yeah, such a little guy. He gets bounced around. Huh? You said Who? <laughs> Milano. Milano. That no. little, yeah. Milano, Milano's probably the most physical cat out there. You know, uh, don't let size. But he's 5'11". Right? He's, um, that's a, that's he's a, a little good-sized linebacker. My, Matt Milano has good size. I know he plays safety in college. Obviously, I'm going to be biased because I sat next to the young man, and, and that's, my, <laughs> that's my guy. That's somebody I put my hands on, my blood, sweat, and tears into. So there's nothing bad I love you it. can ever make me say about Matt Milano because he has a big boy's heart. He has his big boy pads on. If you watch games and watch him, he actually thumps more than some of the guys that are bigger than him. He has that type of mentality. I think collectively – Obviously, they, they missed Starlo to Lely, right? When he was out last year, they had issues. When he's played this season, they do a much better job running the, or stopping the run, to your point. Uh, but when I watch film, it's just not fitting the puzzle right. You know, guys have to be in their gaps. They have to tackle. They have to swarm. And I think collectively, they haven't been able to do that consistently. And, I, and it's really gone back to last year. But to your point, I think that does have something to say to when Star's not out there. Um, I think they've played a little bit better interior line-wise the last couple of weeks. Um, but just collectively, um, they haven't been able to do it week in and week out. And, and it's really not the small runs. They'd be giving up these big chunk runs when you watch, like, the Patriots or the, yep. the Titans. It's big 70-yard touchdown runs that then at the end of the day, you look at, man, if we could have stopped them these one or two plays, it would have it been at least respectable. Uh, we only got about 90 yep. seconds left, and gentlemen, I wish that we could do this conversation for two hours. But, Lorenzo, very quickly to the NFC, because I was always fascinated when you told me that Tom Brady, when he was in New England, you were in Buffalo, he'd point you out, right? And you're like, oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I know you're loyal to your Cal guy and Aaron, Aaron Rodgers in 12. Who's going to win the NFC this year? If the Bucks get back there against yeah. the Packers again, is it a repeat of what we saw 365 days ago in Lambeau? Yes, I think – but I'll say this, if, if it's the NFC Championship, I think Tom Brady needs a couple of weeks to kind of figure out, because they have a lot of moving parts, if they can get healthy, if they see him like 
the second week, by, based on how the, the seeding works out, I don't think they get it. But if the NFC Championship, I think it's going to be, I'm going to go more with Tampa Bay. <laughs> but if it's before then, I'm going to say Green Bay beats them because they wouldn't have their stuff together quite yet. Look, that's a fascinating when and where they play actually yeah. matters to your point. If it's later on, I think if it's it for does. The, yeah, if it's for the title game and Brady has more time to figure out all these young receivers that he all yep. of a sudden has, it's a great point. No way Antonio Brown comes back, right, gentlemen? Uh, well, hey, no, like I, they said, I, I mean, you know, production breeds, uh, what, what do they say, tolerance? You know, hey, if he comes back out there, yeah. I mean, he's one of the top receivers. But let's not forget he does still have Gronk. He has Bray. He has uh, Mike Evans, right? So he has some weapons. He's done less or more with less. Okay. Look, we, we got to take a break. No doubt. But, Lorenzo, it's always great having you. Thanks, Come Lorenzo. on out here to the desert again and, and yeah. do the show with us in person because I miss seeing your face in person. Thanks, he buddy. is the one-man gang. You got to follow him on Twitter, as I do. Lorenzo Alexander, two-time pro bowler. We're coming back with Lou Finicaro next right here on the Lombardi Line, the Sports Betting Network. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
BetMGM welcomes you with a special offer in the NBA. Simply place a $10 money line wager in any game and defeat their team hits a three-pointer. You're going to win $200 in free bets regardless of your bet's outcome. Just use the bonus code VSIN200 when you make your very first wager. Plus, you're going to earn MLife rewards that can be redeemed for rooms and dining at any MGM resort. BetMGM is proud to be an authorized gaming partner of the NBA. So download the app or go to BetMGM.com. Use the bonus code VSIN200 to win $200 in free bets if a three-pointer is made in the game you wager on. Eligibility restrictions do apply. Visit BitMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued is non withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi or Nevada. Dave Ross alongside Michael Lombardi. This is the Lombardi line, and it is always great in each and every week to have Gam Lou, that's how I follow him on Twitter. Lou Finicaro rejoined the program, of course, does a great job here as a contributor at VEASAN. And Lou, I've noticed, I don't want to call you the king of the underplays here in the NFL, but you have been identifying certain games each and every week that I know have been cashing for you here. And let's start off with a game that I think is probably the one that's got the most gravitas this week. That is the Rams and the 49ers. Right now, 44-and-a-half, divisional matchup, a lot on the line here. Do you like this under this week as well? I definitely like this under this week as well. Uh, I sure appreciate Dave, you and Michael bringing me on and sharing a few minutes each week. Uh, to me, this game is about the defense and we're getting into playoff time of year. San Francisco, the eight DVOA defense, Rams number five. Rams have won five in a row. Uh, the last two away from home, I think there's momentum there. They found a little something with Sony Michelle. And meanwhile, San Fran enters their last two wins against the Falcons and the Texans. There's a little lack of continuity on that team between just getting Eli Mitchell back, the running back, and whether or not Jimmy G is able to play. And then really we look at special teams advantage, Rams 6 DVOA, Niners 27. I love the fact that this number has swung down, I think, on the belief that Jimmy G may play at four. I really like L.A. I think this is a defensive tight game between division rivals that there is no outdoors. But I like the under. I also like the Rams today at four before it jumps up, should it. You know, and I think the under is a really strategic play because I think if you're Sean McVay, you know that if you turn the ball over three times in this game like you had the last two weeks, you're going to lose. And you're really going to hurt your playoff chances in terms of seeding. And so, you know, you've got to be, and I'm not saying conservative, but I think you're going to have to be really careful on what you do with the football. And then the layer comes in where, you know, this defensive front has dominated, as Lorenzo Alexander really explained well, that this front has dominated the Rams' bad offensive line. So I think this will be a game where you'll see, I'm not saying it's going to not be a passing game, but it's going to be a little bit of a control-type game, and the pace is what McVay's really got to get a hold of and protect this football. Yeah, absolutely, gentlemen. Let's stay on the under theme here, and let's stay with divisional rivals. But let's go to the AFC for this one, Lou, because, again, the Bills can wrap up the AFC win East with a win over the New York J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. And, again, you expect this to be a, a rather cakewalk here of about 17, 16 and a half. We're seeing that large number here for the Bills. But you think this might be another underplay and maybe some more bad weather in Orchard Park? 
Yes, the formula, division rivals, so there's some acquaintance there. Uh, they're going to be outside, 39 degrees, 65% chance of rain, 15 to 18 miles an hour. That's going to help that Bills defense play a lot better than they are. I, I think the Jets, they scored nine against the Saints, DVOA number four on defense. They scored 18 against the Eagles, who has a, a, DV, a DVOA of 16. In comes Buffalo with a three DVOA. Michael, I know you think they're undersized and all, but it is those big gashing runs that have hurt them. They play with a lot of heart. I look for them to get really, really well, get a lead, protect the lead, and take the air out of the ball in this game. You know, I thought last week I, I would have – I didn't like uh, the Jets. I thought that, that I was going to play the Bucks, And when I found out that Barrett and Pierre, Pierre Paul weren't playing, I, I, I walked away. And then with the injuries at receiver, I thought that Todd Bowles' blitz package was going to give Zach Wilson a lot of trouble. And it didn't. I mean, I thought Zach Wilson played his best game as a pro mm. last week. And But I do think that the environment – the situation, having never played in Buffalo before, where the wind is, and I've said this after the New England game, people think the wind's coming north-northwest or west-northwest or however it's coming, but when you're in that stadium, it swirls around completely, and it's a very hard stadium to judge wind. It really is. And, you know, and, and, and I think that this will be a very challenging game uh, for Zach Wilson, and I could see that the, the, the under's going to be in play and I think the line's, what, 16 and a half now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's 16 and a half. I mean, it's a lot of points to play. But the one thing the Bills have done a great job is they beat up on the inferior opponents. Typically, they, did, they, they pushed last week with Atlanta. No, you're exactly right, Michael. They do have a propensity here to beat the really bad teams here, even with those big numbers. I'm kind of with you there. If I were to play it, the under feels like a smart play to lose point, and I think the Bills might be the right side as well to even lay that big number. Let's stay on the under trend. Let's talk about the Cowboys, another divisional matchup. This time they're going on the road to the city of Brotherly Shove. They take on the Fly Eagles Fly. And, Lou, again, it's, it's 43 here. We don't know how invested these teams will be, i.e., to play their best players uh, throughout the majority of this game. And it's ticked down a little bit to 42-and-a-half. What do you make of this number? Yeah, uh, this is a challenging game. I think outside of San Fran, L.A., and the Chargers and the Raiders, these the rest of these games get difficult. The reason I like the under is because we have division rivals. I like the defense for both teams, especially Philly is strong along the front line of their D. And so I think that coupled with the weather and coupled with uh, motivations that we all don't know, even though um, uh, Mike McCarthy said they're going there to win. Uh, again, I just see a really uh, an old-style 1967 NFC East slobber knocker. Yeah, I mean, both teams, I mean, look, the Eagles are, you know, they know that what is successful to them is running the football. And this is the best third down defense they will face in the Dallas Cowboys. And so they, to win the game, they've got to protect the football, stay out of third down. I think the pace of this game, plus, look, let's face it, the Cowboys, the last time they played them, the Eagles were playing a bunch of cover two. It was easy to run the ball. The safeties were 18 miles deep. That's changed quite a bit from the course of the time they played. So, I'm with you. I think, again, this will be a little bit of a low score, and we're expecting more bad weather back here in the east, and so that's going to make it very challenging for field conditions as well. Yeah, I'm always right there with you guys. I love hearing the running the football conversation because as a Cowboy backer here, 
when the Cowboys don't run the ball, they don't win. That's just the way it is. You can talk about all the receivers and everything. If the Cowboys can't run the football like they couldn't do last week against Arizona, they struggle to score points. So I'm kind of with you there, Lou, as well. Let's talk about the big one out here in the desert. That, of course, would be the Raiders at home taking on the Chargers. Chargers three-point favorites right now here on the road. And this is a big one because winners go into the postseason and the loser is not. Lou, you like the, uh, the home team potentially catching these three points. I really do. Uh, this time of the year, along with the DVOA rankings, I get to really trust my gut. And what I've seen out of Las Vegas all season long is a team that keeps getting kicked right in the groin, and all they do is bite harder on their mouthpiece <laughs> and react positively. Last three wins. Uh, Cleveland, Denver, Indy, not so bad. Waller could come back. Meanwhile, the Chargers, uh, I'm going to call them gutless because when you have the 32 ranked rush defense, to me, that's probably for everyone that's unfair, but the Chargers are a gutless team. And when they go to Texas and get beat, uh, it, that shows a lot of gutlessness. Yeah, they beat the Broncos, but who did the Broncos bring in last week with all the COVID? Uh, and they lost to Kansas City. They're one and three in their last. Uh-oh, I think we lost Lou. I think that was the Chargers, Michael, cutting his mic after calling the team yeah. gutless. And they it. said, they said, wait a minute. Brandon Staley got in line, too, with our producer, Matt Santos, and said, you cut his mic and you cut it right now. But it's an interesting point, though, Michael, because you can make the case no. here. They've had some really bad losses. Look, they've had bad losses, and, and Staley's ability to fix the defense from last year to this year, I've documented it hasn't been very good. Now, they did a good job the first game against the Raiders run with Gruden calling plays and Gruden's game plan. That's what's going to be. This is going to be the game. If the Raiders can run the football in this game, they'll win. But if the Raiders have to handle the pass rush, it'll be a problem. Yeah, absolutely love it. What a fun show. As always, Michael Lombardi, really appreciate you each and every Wednesday. Appreciate Lou Finicaro, uh, Lorenzo Alexander, and Steve Mackinnon for joining us here on a great two hours. And if you missed any part of this program, just check it out. And wherever you get your podcast, you can listen to it. I would highly recommend it. Michael, uh, have a great rest of your day. Enjoy Thank your you, David. Weekend, appreciate it. And we'll catch up again next week. Don't go anywhere. It is Neeson, Thank you. the Sports Betting Network. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.